We've been following the Apostle Peter and his discipleship adventure through the book of Matthew. And yet these last two weeks, to get a little more insight into the last phases of Peter's life, we've jumped into Luke, we've jumped into John. Forgive me for that, but yeah, there's no rule about this. Here we are, John 21. This is like the most famous scene from the end of Peter's life. We're going to look this morning not primarily at where Jesus restores Peter, which is what we normally land on when we read this text. We're going to look at what happens right afterwards, the next words that Jesus shares with Peter. So read with me along if you have it open to John 21. And we'll start at verse 17, the third time Jesus asks the question to Peter. John tells us the third time Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, you went where you wanted. But when you are old, You will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the type of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Have you ever said something and then immediately regretted what you just said? A few weeks ago, I was on vacation with my wife and a few other people, and we were eating breakfast, and I don't know where these words came from, but out of my mouth came the phrase, the question, do you guys want to go ziplining tomorrow? I knew when I said it that even though three of the people at that table would love the idea of being strapped to a cable 200 feet above the ground flying 70 miles an hour, I would not. (laughs) And yet everyone looked at me and said, yeah, for sure, let's do it. I'm like, yeah, I totally want to, too. (laughs) Fast forward 48 hours and I am, I'm on this little platform, like 100 feet in the air, like, trying not to visibly show how terrified I am as I'm like hugging this tree, holding this rope and saying like, this was a great idea. (laughs) Sometimes ideas sound better in our head than they do in real life. Sometimes you get these ideas, you're at dinner with some friends and and this generosity, the spirit of generosity wells up in you and you look at the table and say, you know what? Tonight's on me, order whatever you want. And then you watch in horror as your friends order whatever they want. (laughs) You get the bill and you think, why did I say that? Someone tells you about how they're being evicted from their house and they don't know where they're going to live. And and you're a Christian, right? You say, hey, if, if 
you need a place to stay for a while, you can come and stay with us, you and your family, as long as you want. And then six months into it, you wish you would have said, you can come and stay with me as long as I want. As long as I want. Not as long as you want. Because I want, I want my freedom back. Sometimes God puts these things on our hearts and we, and we express them with words before we realize this is one of those things that I should probably not step into because it's about to be scary. It's funny, there's like a fine art. I think it's a superstition that should be avoided, but there's a fine art in Christianity of learning what prayers not to pray to God. Like I remember the first time, I, this is a crazy story. I was, this is actually a good thing. I should have been taught this, but I was, I was a new Christian. I'd gone through this season where God had freed me from a lot of stuff and I was doing well. And, and yet I felt like my relationship with Jesus was starting to kind of trickle away because I didn't have any big struggles anymore, and I was talking to an accountability partner, and I said, you know what, I think I want to start praying that God leads me into more temptation, because when I'm tempted, I cling to the Lord in an amazing way, and he's like, he showed me the Lord's Prayer, right? That's not a prayer that you say, right? Okay, that's a good one. But I had other people come and say, hey, here's another one. Don't ever pray that God gives you patience, because then he's going to teach you how to have patience by bringing stuff into your life that's difficult. Don't ever say to God, hey, I'll do anything you want me to do. Because he'll make you do some things that you don't want to do. I've had people tell me, you know what? Christianity is good, but let's not go, let's not get too crazy with it. A little bit of religion's a good thing. Because there's this vibe that if you like give all of your life to the Lord, if you give all of your heart to the Lord, if you surrender to Jesus and say, I'll do anything, form me, make me, transform me into your image, change my life, that he will change your life. And there's a fear sometimes that the way he will change you is not for the better. Now, some of us have trust issues with God because we've, we've started that process and said, God, I'm ready, do anything. But then the things he started to lead us into were things that we started to feel like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. And we wish we could have gone back and said, you know what, never mind. I like this little lukewarm faith that I'm living. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do big things for you anymore. And we get a glimpse of this in the Apostle Peter's life in this section in John chapter 21 where Jesus comes to him and gives him a glimpse of a big future that he's preparing for him but it's not an exciting future. Jesus, Peter, I just need you to know that as you follow me, someday you're going to give your life for me and you will die a gruesome death on my behalf. Let's go. This morning, I want to look at this interaction and see the way that Peter responds is very normal, very natural, but requires a little bit of wrestling with God to get to the place where he and where we can trust Jesus. As we look at this text this morning, I want us to learn how we can become people who, who really can trust Jesus with our lives and our futures, no matter what the cost may be. You know, up until this point in the text, Peter's life has been doing very well lately, like a lot better than it was before. Right, if you were here last week, if not, you could download it. We, we listened as Peter and Jesus had this interaction where, where Jesus said, Peter, just so you know, you're going to betray me. And Peter's like, no, 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 I never will. And Jesus is like, well, 
You will. Actually, tonight, three times will you betray me before the rooster crows. And we watched as Peter crashed and burned. Jesus dies. Jesus raises from the grave. Peter's excited. But apparently Peter feels ill-equipped for the ministry, and so he goes back to fishing, back where we started in the first message of this series. He's back on the Galilee, and he's fishing, and then Jesus comes after him. Peter sees him, and he's so excited. He runs to Jesus. They have a meal together, and then after the meal, Jesus says, Peter, I need to talk to you, and he takes him away from John and the others, and they have a conversation. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yeah, I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And Peter can start to sense that his calling is returning. And Jesus says it again, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. Jesus says, well, tend to my lambs. And then Peter comes back, Jesus comes back a third time and says, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And John tells us that Peter was grieved. Right? It's like his mind went back to the three denials of Jesus, and he hears these three restorative moments. And do you love me? And Peter has to kind of wrestle in his own soul. Do I really love Jesus? And he knows he can't lie because it's Jesus, right? And he, and he comes back and says, Jesus, you know all things. You, you know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. And then the next words out of Jesus' mouth are these. It says, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, you went where you wanted. Peter, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And John draws out that, that Peter got immediately what Jesus was trying to say, that Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. The history tells us that Peter was crucified and crucified upside down for the cause of Christ. And Jesus drops this on Peter and then he says, follow me, let's do it. I can't imagine how Peter would feel Going from a place of, okay, it's coming together. I get to be a pastor. I get to be a shepherd. I get to follow Jesus again. My ministry life is not over. And she says, great, well, here's where we're going. To your inevitable death. I wonder if he had second thoughts. You know, some of us have been in seasons in life where as we started to follow Jesus, things got real hard, real fast. I remember a season in my own life when God started calling me into ministry. And I'm like, yes, God, I'll do anything. And three months into it, I had totaled my car. My girlfriend dumped me. Right? I had quit my job. Now I moved home from school. And I'm thinking, okay, my whole life is falling apart around me. What did I say yes to? I talked to somebody a couple weeks ago who said they just started kind of stepping into a new area of faith in their own life. And as they did that, things started to change. And not necessarily for the better. They quit a job that they liked. Their car got stolen. Things started breaking. Family situations started getting hard. I started thinking, what's going on? I thought I said yes to Jesus. 
We've got this feeling that when we say yes to Jesus, life's about to get easy. Jesus says, thanks for saying yes to me. You're about to die. Peter looks around and he sees John who's behind him following him. And Peter says something that reminds us that the Bible is true and written by real humans. He says, Lord, what about him? Where's his calling? Is he supposed to die too? <laughs> or is this like for me? And then he said, that's one of those moments in life where or I feel like we get this way all the time, right? Where God places a calling on our life and it's scary, it's uncomfortable. We think, I don't want to do this. And we start looking around and thinking, how come God didn't call anybody else to do this? And it's easy to start getting resentful of other people. Like, look at these Christians. They're all hypocrites because Jesus is showing me the real way to live and no one's doing it. Jesus comes back to Peter. And he says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. This is for you, Peter. Your calling, your life, your martyrdom. This is custom crafted for you. I know it doesn't make anything easier. But if you're in a place in your life where God has called you to do something and you feel like, that's big, that's scary, I don't know if I want to do it, and you're looking around and thinking, how come no one else is doing it? Jesus might be looking at you and saying, because I want you to do it. I didn't ask your neighbor to do this. I didn't ask your small group leader to do this. I asked you to do this. I didn't ask your pastor to do this. I asked you to do this. No, I didn't ask anyone in your family to do this. This is for you. Stop trying to pan it off to other people like, hey, have you ever thought about X, Y, Z? You should do it. It's for you. If I want him to stay alive until my return, what's that for you? What does that mean to you? What is that to you? You must follow me. I love how these rumors start. Like, did you hear that? I think John's going to live forever. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, Peter, here's a specific calling for you, and it's only for you, and don't worry about everyone else. It's just me and you right here. The wrestling match is normal. If you're in a place where you're wrestling with God because you want someone else to do it, right? You're thinking about the Esther series, right? Where, where Mordecai tells Esther, hey, if you don't do it, somebody else will do it. You're like, God, let somebody else do it. But God won't let you go. It's like he's saying, nope, it's you, it's you, it's you. I don't care how many times you say no. Come on, come on back. It's you. Right? Some of us have these things that God has called us to do for a long, long time, and we keep ignoring it, ignoring it, ignoring it. And every time we start walking with Jesus again, it like comes back. And so we enter into these long seasons of like hibernation in our faith. Because we know the moment that we open the door to our cave and step back into a relationship with Jesus again, it's going to be like, good morning, let's do that thing I told you to do six years ago. Right, this is why some of us have trust issues with the Lord. Now, this is not one of the verses that we put up in our living room, right? This is the kind of death you're going to die, right? We put up verses in our living room like Jeremiah 29, 11, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. I wonder if this verse was like echoing in Peter's mind when he's hearing this, that Jesus, this is not a plan to prosper me. This seems like a plan to harm me. I feel like you're taking away my hope and you're literally taking away my future. Can we tell people, hey, trust in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. 
Do you think that Peter had a desire deep in his heart to give his life for Jesus to die a gruesome death as a martyr? Imagine Peter saying, hey, can I go back in time? Like, <laughs> can we change this, right? Can we rewind, go back to the last crossroads? And, right? Or am I being punished, right? Is this, I messed up real bad, I denied you, and now you're going to kill me, right? Is this what's happening? It's like a godfather moment or something. You're sending me off to my death to punish me, to atone for my sins, right? But, but we know that's not happening. I imagine Peter thinking, Jesus, when did I sign up for this? I've been trying to wrap my mind around what's happening in this passage because it seems like out of the blue, right? Like Jesus and Peter having this amazing intimate moment about shepherding and love and follow me. And it's like, yes, this is amazing. He's like, okay, well then follow me and, and you're going to die. That's just going to happen. Where did that come from? So I went back to the passage we studied last week in Luke 22 and just kind of, kind of wrapped my mind around, like, how did we go from there <laughs> to here? And you know what I found? I found that right before Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him three times, and Peter said this. He said in Luke 23, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Is that weird? Jesus said, hey, just so you know, before this night's over, you're all going to betray me. And Peter says, not me, Lord. I'm ready to die for you. Jesus says, you know what? Actually, you're going to betray me three times. I'm going to die alone tonight. Then Jesus dies alone. He raises from the dead. He restores Peter. He says, you're going to go back into ministry. Okay, now what were you saying about being willing to die for me? You know, I wonder if there was something in Peter that made this idea of giving up his life, the ultimate sacrifice for Jesus, something that he knew was like the pinnacle of the calling on his life. Now, I was thinking that this week, with Veterans Day this weekend and all that, I know that there are several people, even in this room, who, who walked down into an enlist, enlist in the, the services, or you went, swore, swore in as a police officer, a first responder, that kind of thing, and and something in you in that moment knew that what you were signing was the possibility that someday you'd give your life for your country, right? Or someday you would give your life for the, to those who you were sworn to serve and protect. You just knew that that was a possibility, but it didn't deter you. Like, you signed it because you felt inside, you know what, if that's what it comes to, that's an honorable way to live and to die. It's worth it. I'm going to do it. And there are others of you who don't even walk anywhere near an enlistment office because you're like, no, that's not me. You know what, if someone needs to die for someone, pick somebody else. But I'm not giving my life for anybody, right? There's some of us that that's the last thing on our radar. And there's some of us who just feel this deep sense of honor and willingness to sacrifice everything for others. That might be one of the things that drew you into the armed services. As I look at the personality that Peter carried with him, I feel like he's one of those types of people. Right? He's the guy who's carrying his sword to the prayer meeting in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's the one that when the servant of the high priest comes up and Judas comes up, he's like, let's kill him, right? He's the one who says, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Let's do it. And now he's the one that Jesus says, I'm choosing you to be one of the people who gives up their life for the cause of Christ. I feel like this prophecy from Jesus in this moment 
had to be terrifying to Peter. But in the moment when he was old and he was being paraded to his crucifixion place, I wonder if this moment was reassuring to him. I said, you know what? This is what Jesus said my life would culminate in. And this is what he told me when he, when he commissioned me into ministry, that this is where it would, this is where it would end. And this is where I, I breathe my last breath and stand before him and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've done the work that I've commissioned you to do, and it was a great honor. Jesus says, Peter, this is the culmination. Come and follow me. What's interesting, John's life is very different. You don't see John trying to kill people in the Gospels. You don't see John making claims like, I'm going to be the leader, or I'm going to die for you, right? John is like this quiet, humble, anonymous guy, right? He wrote this book, and he won't even tell us his name. He keeps calling himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And it's not like shade on the other disciples, like, I'm the one he loved, right? That's not what that is. It's him saying, you know what? It's not about me. It's about Jesus, right? And as we study the writings of John, where Peter is writing in 1 Peter about suffering and being willing to give your life for Jesus, John writes about love. He talks about life. He talks about light. He's like a poet, a pastor. And John writes 1 John and says, love each other, love the Lord, love the community. It's all about love. That's kind of who he is. And Jesus used that to, to write amazing works, to do amazing things, to counsel people. You know, the church history tells us that John, when he was a pastor in his older days, when people would come to him in conflict in the church, he would say the same thing every time. He'd say, you know what? You just need to love each other. You're fighting over property? Love each other. You know what you can't reconcile? Love each other. Love, love each other. All you need is love. He didn't say that. That was the Beatles, I think. But. <laughs> I love how Jesus walks with these guys uniquely and draws out of them the vision that he's already placed in their hearts and takes it to a beautiful and glorious conclusion. As I study the life of these two men and I look at this passage, the big thing that I take away is that there's a chance that the big plans that God has for you are already hidden in your heart. Right? That, that's probably why you're not praying about the thing that you know that God might be calling you to do. It's because deep inside you, your whole life, you've known that someday this would happen with your life, and you don't know if you're ready yet. There's something in you that says, no, this is your calling. There's something in you that says, maybe someday you'll do this. Maybe you'll quit your job and step into this one. Maybe you'll leave it all and go after this. Maybe someday you'll give this to this person or this ministry or this organization. Maybe someday, 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 all these people will come to Christ through you. Maybe, maybe, maybe. It's in there. It's like God laid the infrastructure in your heart. And as you walk with Jesus, he just starts drawing it out one thing at a time. That's why at the end of the day, the question for you is, do you trust him? Like Jesus asked to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Then follow me. Come with me. Here's where we're going. But don't think about that, right? Follow me. Follow me. If you want to write some things down this week that will help you to wrestle with this concept, let me give you four things. Thing number one, trust that God loves you and is for you. Right? Even that verse that God has uh, 
that God loves you and has a wonder, no, it's not a verse. Even the Jeremiah 29, 11, what, tell me what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, and prayers to prosper you, not to harm you, give you a hope and a future. This, does, this what happening to Peter, does not negate the Jeremiah 29, 11 verse. This is God's plan to prosper Peter, to give him an amazing ministry, a glorious end to a beautifully lived life. You've got to trust it, that whatever plans God has for you, he's trustworthy. He loves you. He loves you more than you love you. He's drawing you out into what he wants you to be. The second thing to write down is to know that his plans for you are custom-crafted. You're not the Apostle John. You're not the Apostle Peter. You're not your wife. You're not your kid. You're not your grandma. You're you. And you have a relationship with Jesus that is unique and individual, right? And if you're someone who's just leaning on someone else's relationship with Jesus, get one of your own. There's enough to go around. And as you connect with Jesus, he's going to call you to do things that he's calling no one else to do. That's for you because he's crafted that for you. So step into those plans. They've been crafted for you. Number three. Surrender your life into his capable hands. At the end of the day, if we've got fear around these things, it's it's a question of do we trust him? Do we know this is for us? And can I just release the grip on my own life and know that he can do better with my life than I can? And if you didn't have time to write down all those three things, just write down this last one. It's just two words. Follow Jesus. I think it's pretty rare that Jesus gives Peter a glimpse of how his life will finish. Most of the time, Jesus says the same thing as he says to him at the end of the section here. He just says, follow me. Just come with me. Right? Remember Thomas says, Lord, we don't know the way. Well, where are you going? We don't even know how to get there. Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Just walk with me. Follow me one step at a time. Just come with me. Come with me. Come with me. I kept imagining my biggest fear when I was on the zip line was that I would like not have the guts to like jump off the platform. And I knew that if that happened, I would never hear the end of it from my family and friends. I also knew that inevitably what would happen is somebody with like a little helmet would come up like and say, okay, sir, I know it's scary, right? Just look at my eyes. Don't look down. Look at my eyes, right? Just one step. Follow me. Come with me. Come with me. Come with me, right? Thankfully, that didn't happen. But I love it. That's what Jesus does with Peter. He can sense in Peter this terror. Like, wait, this is what? You must follow me. Just come with me. Follow me. One step at a time, and I'll get you to the place where you're going. Trust me, I'll get you there. I love how this whole series has been about one thing. It's just walking with Jesus. Follow him towards the great plans he has for you. If it's scary, he's growing you. Realize it's not about you, it's about him. Worship him. Look back from time to time and realize how far you've come. Trust in him, cling to him, let him work through you. And when you think it's too scary, just let go and follow him. Walk with him and he'll lead you into life. Let me pray for you and then we'll sing together in response. Let's pray.